Uh, well, good morning, everyone. Uh, how's everyone doing? All right. Um, good to see you all here at church. And uh, if uh, I haven't met you before, uh, my name is Huey, and uh, I'm one of the ministers uh, at this church. Uh, it'll be helpful for you to have uh, Genesis 46 and 47 open in front of you. Um, and uh, uh, it'll be good if you can just uh, follow along and see whether the sorts of things I'm saying uh, up from the front are the sorts of things you're seeing for yourself uh, in the Bible. Um, but uh, before we, we get into this passage, uh, let me lead us in prayer that God will help us to uh, understand his word this morning. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for gathering us together around your word this morning. Uh, Father, we uh, thank you that you speak to us and uh, you reveal yourself to us uh, in your word. And so we pray that uh, this morning as we hear uh, the things that you say, uh, please help us to listen attentively. And uh, we pray, Father, that by your spirit you would help us to um, understand uh, with our hearts uh, that we might uh, live as your people uh, in this world. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, well, friends, uh, where are the places that you have been which have not been as good as home? Uh, where are the places that you have been which have not been as good as home? Uh, perhaps uh, you, you like camping. Uh, lots of people go camping this time of year, don't they? Uh, some people enjoy living in tents. Uh, some people actually enjoy roughing it and uh, having no toilets, and sleeping on the hard ground, and uh, eating uh, canned food for days on end. But after a while, I imagine that the thought of a hot shower, and a soft bed, and a home-cooked meal becomes much more attractive. Uh, camping is never as good as home. Uh, or consider the businessman who lives out of suitcases for most of the year. Uh, you know, he goes from city to city doing deals. Uh, he goes from hotel to hotel, living in relative isolation. He dines alone for meal after meal. But when he takes out his wallet and he looks at a picture of his wife and his children, well, he longs to be back home. Hotels are never as good as home. Uh, or many of us come from families that have migrated to Australia. Now, if you're anything like me, um, I, I call Australia home. But for many migrants, this place is never quite the same as the place where they were born and where their heart belongs. Uh, that's why many migrants end up returning to the place of their birth when they get the chance. Being in a foreign country is never as good as the place our hearts call home. Uh, now, friends, uh, we've been looking at the story of uh, Joseph in the book of Genesis for the last few months, and uh, today we're going to uh, be looking at chapters 46 and 47. And uh, I want to suggest to you that uh, as we look at these chapters, chapters together, the big theme uh, of these chapters is the theme of living away from home. Living away from home. Uh, if you know the story so far, you will know that uh, there have actually been numerous times when uh, the family of Jacob 
have left home in Canaan to travel to a foreign land. Uh, The first journey, if you recall, is when Jacob sends his sons uh, from Canaan to Egypt uh, because there is a famine and he wants them to go and purchase uh, grain for the family so that they will not starve. Uh, The second journey is when they run out of food and they return to Egypt, but this time uh, they bring with them uh, their youngest, the youngest son or the youngest brother, whose name is Benjamin. Uh, But chapters 46 and 47 is the third journey where uh, Jacob himself travels into Egypt together with the entirety of his family when he learns that Joseph, his long-lost son, is not dead, as he had supposed, but is actually alive in the land of Egypt. And what's more, is ruling over the entire land. But there's a problem here, isn't there? For if you remember, it is the land of Canaan that God has, had said to Jacob uh, that will be his home. It is the land of Canaan that God had promised to Abraham to give to his descendants as the eternal inheritance. It is the land of Canaan where God had promised life and blessing and a future for this family. But here, Jacob is leaving Canaan to go into the foreign land of Egypt. Do you see the problem? What will life be like for Jacob and his family as they live away from home in this foreign land. Now, uh, we won't be able to look at chapter 46 uh, in a great amount of detail um, this morning because uh, of time constraints. Uh, But if I had to summarise, it's a chapter that tells us in a great amount of detail uh, the people who move from uh, Canaan to Egypt. Uh, You'll notice there that uh, there are a lot of names mentioned. Uh, and uh, the, the entire family of, of Jacob uh, makes their journey down to Egypt. However, I, I want you to see that the striking thing about chapter 46 are really the promises that God makes to Jacob just as Jacob is about to leave Canaan to journey into Egypt. Uh, it's there in verse 3. Uh, you can see it there in verse 3. Jacob is at the edge of Uh, the promised land or the land of Canaan at a place called Beersheba. Uh, He's just about to venture uh, into the land of Egypt. But in verse 3, God appears to him in visions at night. And uh, look at what it says in verse uh, 3. This is what God says uh, to Jacob. He says, I am God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for there I will make you into a great nation. I myself will go down with you to Egypt, and I will also bring you up again, and Joseph's hand shall close your eyes. You see, the astonishing thing here is that God himself tells Jacob to move to this foreign land. And notice that he makes three promises to Jacob. He says, firstly, I will make you a great nation uh, in the land of uh, Egypt. Uh, God hasn't forgotten his promises And secondly, he says, I will be with you during your time in Egypt. And thirdly, he says, I will bring you up again out of Egypt. In other words, uh, what God is saying to Jacob here is that his stay in Egypt 
is to be temporary. Uh, Yes, Jacob will go down into this foreign land. Yes, he will even die in this foreign land. And his favorite son will close his eyes when he finally comes to die. But the thing to notice is that God promises to bring Jacob back out of Egypt. And his family will not be permanent residents in this place. They will be sojourners. In other words, they will be temporary travelers through Egypt. For their real home, their permanent home, actually is somewhere else. But friends, uh, what is life to be like for God's people living in this foreign land? What is life going to be like? Uh, Well, the thing that we can see very clearly in these chapters is that driven by the promises of God, uh, the family of Jacob are not to lose their identity as God's people as they dwell in this land of Egypt. Uh, In particular, uh, you can see there that they are to retain their occupation as shepherds. They were shepherds in Canaan, in the promised land, and so they are to be shepherds in the land of Egypt. Uh, You can see it in the passage, can't you? Um, If you have a look at uh, chapter 46, verse 29, uh, you can see there that um, uh, Joseph is finally reunited with his father, Jacob. Uh, I don't know about you, but um, it's hard not to choke up uh, as you uh, read this story of how uh, uh, the father and his long-lost son, uh, who he thought was dead for all these years, are finally reunited together. Uh, Joseph weeps uncontrollably. Uh, Jacob says he is now ready to die in peace. But after all these years, they are reunited. And in fact, uh, it is the whole family of Jacob that is now together and united uh, in the land of Egypt. However, uh, as soon as the family is reunited, uh, can you say that Joseph immediately thinks about how he might settle his family in the land of Egypt? And here, notice that the great emphasis is on the occupation of Jacob's family as shepherds. And so, for example, in chapter 46, verse 32, chapter 46, verse 32, uh, you can see there that Joseph tells his brothers that uh, he will go and speak with Pharaoh, and he will let Pharaoh know that this family, that his family, uh, are, are shepherds by occupation. Uh, In verse 33, uh, Joseph prepares his brothers uh, to themselves uh, meet with Pharaoh and he coaches them and he tells them that when you see Pharaoh, you are to let him know that your occupation uh, is that of a shepherd. Later, Joseph takes five of his brothers to meet with Pharaoh, finally. And in chapter 47, verse 3, uh, you can see there that they tell Pharaoh that they are shepherds and they ask Uh, the mighty Pharaoh, to settle them in a part of Egypt called Goshen, which uh, appears to be uh, the the cattle and livestock sort of district of Egypt. Uh, Now, friends, uh, this is extraordinary because what it means is that the aim of God's people in this foreign land is not to live a life of ease. It's not to live a life of ease in this foreign land. In fact, if you glance with me at the very last sentence in chapter 46, 
uh, you can see there that Joseph himself knows that shepherds were actually an abomination to the people of, uh, of, of Egypt. It would be a bit like being a used car salesman uh, in the present age. You know, people don't like used car salesmen uh, now. People didn't like shepherds in the land of Egypt. Further, the entire life of Jacob actually exemplifies what it will be like for God's people to live in the land of Egypt and away from home. For even though Jacob was somebody who had the promises of God, well, his life has not actually been a bed of roses, has it? Now listen to how he describes his life so far when he meets with Pharaoh and is asked about his age. Uh, apparently it wasn't rude to ask about your age back in those days. Uh, chapter 47, verse 9. Chapter 47, verse 9. Uh, this is what Jacob says. He says, The days of the years of my sojourning are 130 years. Few and evil have been the days of the years of my life. And I have not attained to the days of the years of the life of my fathers in the days of their sojourning. See, few and evil have been the days of my life. That's a bit of an understatement, isn't it, for someone like Jacob? Uh, if you remember, Jacob is a man who is estranged from his brother. Uh, for most of his life, he has lived in the world thinking that his favorite son had been devoured by a wild animal. One of his daughters, daughters was ruthlessly raped. He had the unspeakable grief of seeing his favorite wife, Rachel, die before him. You see, here is a man who has the promises of God, and yet he describes his life uh, as full of days that are short and evil. And yet, friends, can you see here that Jacob and his family are nevertheless to live in this foreign land of Egypt without losing their identity as God's people? They are to live as shepherds. Yes, they are to live away from their eternal home, and yet they are not to live not as Egyptians, but as Canaanites, which is where their future lies. Uh, many years ago, I drove to uh, Melbourne uh, with a bunch of my friends. Uh, this was before I was married. Uh, when we got to the border of the New South Wales and Victorian border, uh, we all decided to jump out of the car and uh, put one foot in New South Wales and one foot in Victoria. Uh, it was sort of a, a photo opportunity that we just couldn't miss. But uh, there was no doubt, uh, even as we were doing that, which state we actually belong to, is it? Uh, I mean, we all had New South Wales driving licences. Uh, we all didn't know what AFL football was about. Uh, we had no idea what hook turns were, and in fact, uh, we almost died a few times uh, in the land of Victoria. But here we were, uh, with a foot in both worlds. Uh, I wonder whether it's a bit like that for the life of a Christian person. 
Uh, We are the people who have a foot in two worlds. On the one hand, uh, if you and I are people who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, well, uh, the scriptures remind us that we have been united with him and we have been raised with him and we are now seated with him in the heavenly places. Uh, We have one foot in heaven already. And yet, it's true that we still live away from our eternal home, isn't it? Uh, We live in this world uh, which, for all its beauty, is still characterized by evil and where there is grief and where God's people are often seen as an abomination. Uh, We have a foot in this world as well. And yet the New Testament writers continue to encourage us to see where our true home lies and to live in this world, uh, not like residents of this place that is passing away, but as residents of our eternal home. Uh, In our New Testament reading this morning, uh, you may have noticed that the Apostle Peter writes to Christians and he calls them uh, sojourners or exiles living in this world. And he reminds them about who they really are. They are uh, uh, God's people. They are royal priesthood. They are a holy nation. And he says that that identity is to shape who they are and how they live in this present world. Our identity is not to be shaped by the sinful desires of the flesh and the ways and values of this world, but rather by the good works that mark us out as God's chosen people. Uh, Friends, I wonder what are the areas where you and I are tempted not to live as God's person? Have a think about that. Uh, What are the areas in your life and in my life where we are tempted uh, not to live as God's person? Um, For some of us, it might be uh, in the workplace. Uh, Perhaps uh, we speak and act no different to anyone else in the workplace so that uh, no one in your workplace knows you are a Christian. Uh, For others of us, it might be when we are non-Christian friends or family. Uh, Perhaps we... Uh, very seldomly live differently uh, to the world when we are with them. And we simply adopt the non-Christian values and behaviours of this world. Uh, One area, I think, that is very easy for Christians to lose our distinctive identity uh, in our attitude towards overseas travel. Uh, You know, we now live in a global village where the possibility of travelling overseas Uh, is so much easier and uh, what was thought possible a generation ago uh, is just commonplace now. And so it is possible, isn't it, to go uh, on overseas trips uh, and for extended periods of time and it's wonderful uh, to see the breathtaking things uh, that God has created in this world uh, all over the world. And yet for many Christians who spend lots of time planning to go overseas, I wonder whether there is equal time thought into thinking how our heavenly home, uh, our true identity as Christian people, should shape our attitude towards overseas travel. Uh, For example, um, when you plan to go overseas on travel, uh, do you ask questions like, 
Uh, is this overseas trip a means of finding some refreshment in my life so that I can continue to serve God uh, and his people? Or has his travel just become an idol that takes me away from my responsibilities uh, to church and uh, to my family? Uh, Do we ask questions like, will this overseas trip grow me as a Christian? Or will I put myself in a situation where I actually have very little accountability uh, with uh, with other Christian people around me and I will be tempted to be ungodly, away from the watching eyes of people I know? Uh, Or do we ask questions like, will my overseas trip mean that I continue to be generous with my money or am I living a lifestyle where I'm pouring uh, uh, huge amounts of money into travelling the world and letting go of my Christian commitments? Uh, Now friends, uh, I hope um, very much that you don't hear me saying uh, this morning uh, do not go on overseas trips and do not enjoy uh, seeing uh, the things in this world. But perhaps if we honestly ask ourselves some of these questions with a a true desire to be God's people, then it might actually affect uh, the sorts of decisions that we make. Uh, For some of us, it might mean that we choose not to go overseas for extended periods of time. Uh, For others of us, it might mean adjusting the timing of our trips. Or it might mean changing our minds about where we go. As people who belong to heaven, uh, our lives and our decisions are to be shaped by our true home and our true identity in heaven and as people who belong there. Uh, Well, friends, uh, we've seen that the family of Jacob are are not to lose their identity as God's people uh, while they live in the foreign land of Egypt. But the wonderful thing in this passage is that this foreign land uh, also becomes a place where uh, people who don't know God, uh, that is the Egyptian people, can find blessing from God himself. Uh, Now you notice there that this blessing comes in the midst of famine. Uh, You see, it's not just Jacob and his family who have been affected by famine in the land of Canaan, uh, but if you have a look at chapter 47 verse 13, uh, it seems that Uh, the famine has been quite severe in the land of Egypt itself. And so uh, what you see in these verses is Joseph continuing to sell grain to the people of Egypt, uh, the grain that he's been storing up during the seven good years uh, of harvest, uh, as the Egyptians continue to come to him for help. Now, the only problem is that the Egyptians, uh, you may have noticed, keep on running out of things to give to Joseph in exchange for grain. And so, for example, in verse 15, the Egyptians run out of money and they become desperate for food again. And so Joseph agrees then to buy their livestock from them in exchange for the grain. But in verse 18, uh, notice that they run out of livestock. They've sold all their cows and their sheep and they become desperate for food again. And so this time, Joseph agrees to take their land and their bodies in exchange for seed, which they can then farm and feed their families while paying a portion of that in tax 
in taxes to Pharaoh. In other words, Joseph takes the Egyptians to be slaves for Pharaoh. Uh, Now, friends, uh, we might think uh, that this is a negative thing because uh, whenever we we hear about um, selling people into slavery, uh, we think of uh, things like the African slave trade, uh, which uh, was a a huge injustice, uh, or we think about the horrors of human trafficking in the modern age. But in the ancient world, uh, slavery was actually a legitimate means um, to avoid death uh, or to save someone's life. And uh, slaves were often treated with dignity, uh, depending on who their master actually was. And so here, uh, I don't think we're meant to see Joseph's actions in buying the people as slaves as a negative thing, but rather as the way that he mercifully saves the Egyptians from starvation. Uh, in verse 15, uh, you'll notice there that the Egyptians cry to Joseph in their desperation. Uh, They say, uh, why should we die before your eyes? Uh, In verse 19, uh, they cry to him, give us seed that we may live and not die. But after Joseph buys the land of the Egyptians and takes them as slaves for Pharaoh, notice that their cry is very different. For in verse 25, they cry out to Joseph, you have saved our lives. You have saved our lives. You see, the Egyptians find great blessing as they come to Joseph, who is God's ruler, and as they submit their life to him. Uh, Now, friends, uh, we don't live in the land of Egypt, obviously. Uh, But as we've seen in a similar way uh, to what we see here, we live in a temporary world as people who belong to a more permanent and glorious home. However, just as Egypt was the place where pagans, who were as good as dead, could find life and blessing from God as they came to God's ruler and submitted their lives to him, well, we live in a world which is a place where those who do not know God can find life and blessing from God as they come to God's ruler, the Lord Jesus Christ, and as they give their lives over to him. Uh, If you are a Christian person here this morning, uh, wouldn't it be a great aim this Christmas to be praying for and to be speaking with those around us who uh, do not yet know the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, those who are spiritually as good as dead, that they might come to know Jesus, who is God's ruler. Wouldn't it be great if we can have opportunities to point these people that we know in our lives to the one who can save them? And wouldn't it be wonderful if by God's grace they can put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and submit their lives to him so that those who were once as good as dead could cry out with the rest of us, to Jesus, you have saved our lives. You have saved our lives. Uh, Who are the people that we can point to God's ruler uh, in this way, I wonder? Uh, Well, friends, uh, let me finish up. Uh, This morning, uh, what we've seen uh, is that while God's people 
leave temporarily the foreign land of Egypt, they are by promises of a more permanent and better inheritance in the land of Canaan. Their identity is to be shaped by their citizenship in this better place. Uh, We've also seen that although life in Egypt will not be a bed of roses, it will also be the place where God's blessing uh, is available uh, to those who are as good as dead as they submit themselves to God's ruler. Uh, But here at the end of chapter 47 is Jacob coming to the end of his earthly life. And uh, the striking thing about this is that as Jacob approaches his death, he makes his son, Joseph, notice, uh, to promise him that he will bury him not in the foreign land of, of Egypt, but that he will carry his bones out of Egypt into the land of Canaan. Uh, you see, Jacob is somebody who knows that God has promised him Not only that he will be with him in Egypt, but that he will also carry him out of Egypt and land him in the promised land. In other words, Jacob knows that God has prepared for him a more permanent place, a better country than the one that he has been living in. I saw the movie Sully uh, with my wife. Has anyone seen um, Sully before? Um, it's the, the one about the, the plane uh, that takes off uh, from New York. Uh, but moments after takeoff, uh, the, the plane hits uh, um, a, a big um, a gaggle or flock of geese, which uh, blows out the plane's engines. And so the whole movie centers on this tension about where this plane will, uh, will land. Uh, will it land in New York City itself? Uh, and uh, everyone else, uh, everyone on the plane will lose their lives, or will it land somewhere safe and uh, everyone ends living? Uh, on the day that when somebody closes your eyelids in death, uh, or my eyelid death, for the final time, where is it that you will land? Uh, Many people are anxious about where they will end up after their earthly lives. Uh, I know that uh, some Christians can often be anxious about where they will land in eternity. But friends, uh, in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, there is the promise God will not only be with us as we live in this world, uh, he promises us that he will be with us till the very end of the age, at the end of Matthew's Gospel. But there is the promise that God will also safely bring us out of this temporary world uh, into our eternal inheritance of heaven itself. Uh, If you are here this morning and you do not know with certainty where you will land after this earthly life is finished, then why don't you come to Jesus? Why don't you put your trust in him, the one who has died on the cross for your sin and rebellion? And why don't you submit yourself to him and give your life to him uh, so that you can have the promise of eternal life in heaven? Uh, If you are someone who already has certainty where you will land in eternity because your trust is in Jesus, 
then this morning, praise God. Uh, Perhaps you might want to do it in the words of the famous hymn, Guide Me, O Thou Great Jehovah. Uh, The last verse of this hymn is wonderful because it speaks about God safely landing us in the land of Canaan. Uh, It says this, When I tread the verge of Jordan, bid my anxious fears subside. Death of death and hell's destruction, land me safe on Canaan's side. Songs of praises, songs of praises, I will ever give to thee. I will ever give to thee. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you that uh, as we sojourn in this world as temporary residents, that uh, we have your great and precious promises. Uh, Thank you for your promise to be with us as we live in this world, and we thank you for your promise of a better world and a better country and a more permanent home in heaven itself. Uh, Father, we thank you uh, especially this morning for our Lord Jesus. Uh, We thank you for his death and resurrection. Uh, We thank you that because of him uh, we have been forgiven And we are now raised with him and seated with him in the heavenly places. And so we pray that you would help us to lift our eyes to him this morning and see our heavenly home. And that you would help us to live in this world, uh, not as citizens of this world, but in a manner worthy uh, of our heavenly citizenship. Father, we pray in particular for those of us who are finding it particularly difficult Uh, living in this world, away from our permanent home. Uh, We pray for those who are tempted by the things of this world and the sinful desires of our flesh. Uh, We pray for those who are discouraged because of the evil and the uh, grief and the death that is a reality this side of heaven. And we pray that you would strengthen these brothers and sisters with your promises and help them to live as your people as we travel in this world. For we pray it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.